Today on CityCast Boise, Boise State Public Radio's George Prentice joins me to break down the big stories of the week. We hit the latest updates on the building collapse near the Boise airport, another round of anti-library legislation, and that mess up with the Amtrak line to Salt Lake City. It's Friday, February 9th. I'm Nick Kwa, and this is what Boise's talking about. Morning, George. How are you doing? I'm well, Nick. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. It seems it's kind of been a kind of a busy week. Uh, lots going yeah. on, and I, I hear you on the radio all every morning. And it seems <laughs> that you were sort of covering a lot of ground this week. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's the hardest, best job in uh, traditional broadcasting, right? I uh, start my day as the world reinvents itself. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a very beautiful way to look at it. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, there's no there's no easy way to start this one because it's it's um we're gonna start with the 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 story of the building collapse over at the airport. Mm. It seems to be still a little fast moving. There's a lot happening around there. Just to just to sort of res, um, reset the context here. So last Wednesday, a construction site I believe collapsed at a private jet hangar near the airport. There were three deaths and nine injured. What's the update with that story, George? Well, we know, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised that. Uh, families of two of the victims Mm -hmm. uh, have already secured legal representation. And the first shot across the bow is in the form of a press conference or an an announcement saying that people will be held accountable. Well, the shorthand of that is, you know, the contractor, right? Uh, What's interesting and sad is that the third victim is a member of the family of the contractor of the construction company. Uh, So there are so many layers to this. But I really want to talk for a second about OSHA, Occupational Safety and Hazard Mm -hmm. Administration, which is overseeing the entire investigation. Boise Fire has basically turned the scene over to OSHA. Uh, I've been lucky over the years to have gotten to know uh, the man who's in charge of OSHA in Idaho, David Kearns. And uh, as probably a good many people have heard these investigations are capped at 30 days. Right. So it starts from, you know, the, the, the incident itself. And then the clock starts running 30 days can seem like eternity for people who desperately want answers. And it can also seem like eternity for the media who just want to keep, you know, uh, updating the story, but it is a very dense 30 days and the investigations and the interviews and the data that's involved, I, I followed a couple of these from the very beginning a number of years ago, and it was stunning to learn, uh, you know, twenty-hour days were the norm. Yeah, help me help me understand what exactly is being investigated. So when OSHA goes out to look into an incident like this, what are they gathering specifically? Well, it is forensics, which is to say, uh, it starts with history. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that has to do with the history, you know, the integrity of the property. And so we do know, for instance, uh, because I spoke to uh, the folks at City Hall, that they actually did inspections at that site Mm -hmm. last fall and up to, um, I think, December. And the reason for that is, and here comes another wrinkle, is that the land is public, is City of Boise land. It is leased to this uh, company, this private jet company, which was building a new hangar. 
Uh, so there's that. So the city was very quick to say that, yes, we did inspections of this. Basically, if you think of it, kind of a, the scene before the construction began and everything seemed to be okay, and uh, all their eyes were dotted, and they would not go back until that construction job was done. That said, OSHA probably begins with those records. They'll no doubt get into the history of this construction company, and right. the media has really been stoking that flame, which is to say this construction company has had uh, incidents, uh, previous incidents where right. they have been. And that was information gleaned from public records. Public records, absolutely. And it has to be. And OSHA is the first one to put this stuff in the front window for everybody to see. So should we conclude anything from that? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, because they are investigations. Let's assume that there were fines paid. And they're not going to let a company go back to work unless changes are made. Mm -hmm. But that said, those are stains. And I think that uh, you, you cannot not include that as part of the investigation. A big part of it will be witnesses, um, other construction workers. And uh, we know that there are survivors of this incident mm -hmm. who will have very specific memory. And it's very interesting how and when you want to interview someone who has been in such a traumatic event as this. You do Sometimes you want to talk to them as soon as possible, mm -hmm. but more often than not, you want to give them a few days because the, the brain is the brain. So as citizens sort of um, attending to the story and thinking about it, um, what you're counseling here basically is just to sort of take a beat and not rush to yeah. conclusions and just sort of let the uh, process play out. And at this point, there will be a legal process coming from the family of the dead. And it, it does seem like the way that the narrative is shaped in, in the public, like it, it, <laughs> it might complicate how we understand what exactly was the problem here. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And um, if I may just, just talk for a moment about OSHA, mm -hmm. there is an event every year, and it's in the springtime. I think it's usually first week of May. And it is an event to remember Idaho workers who died on the job in a given year. And while we have this very high-profile, horrible event near the Boise airport, uh, it's important to remember that dozens of Idaho workers lose their lives mm -hmm. on the job most years, many of them agricultural workers, mm -hmm. certainly construction industry workers, and uh, law enforcement, and uh, firefighters, etc. And it's an event that does not get a lot of press. I wish it did, because these are stories worth telling. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact is, way too many men and women lose their lives at uh, on the job uh, in Idaho every year. We're talking about these three and we mourn them, but mm -hmm. we also need to remember that there are dozens of others every year. Got it. And I just want to sort of make sure that we we sort of mention that uh, two of the dead, uh, the ones who retained families, they're from Guatemala originally. There, there's another layer there too, right, of uh, workers who come to this country with a dream and a possibility and how many of them are on construction sites, right. et cetera, and doing the heavy lifting, literally the heavy right. lifting and putting their lives in jeopardy. And you cannot disentangle this from the larger story about um, sort of the, right. the migration uh, flow that's happening from primarily Latin America through uh, into the United States. Absolutely. And, we're the and we should be the first to say thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for doing the work that so many others won't. Absolutely. Absolutely.
speaking of which, and I just want to brown this out to trying to sort of connect this, I guess, to to an, another ongoing story about just building inspections and constructions in, in Boise. It seems that we're getting a spate of these um, yeah. rather confusing and honestly like a little bit contentious stories about the the fidelity of Boise building inspection a little bit. George, what's, what's your thinking on how to think about a relationship between these two, two stories? Well, here's the thing is that less than 24 hours before this uh, horrible accident near the airport, there was a hearing at Boise City Hall in regards to the future of the Union Block. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will remember that this is the historical building, uh, more than a century old, right, right in downtown Boise, that was declared uh, unsafe. Condemned, uh, to the yeah. degree, re- Condemned. I mean, even the sidewalk is closed off. And uh, restaurants were, were told, sorry, got to get out of here, businesses closed down, etc. Uh, so the owner of the Union Block appealed this, uh, and in city code in the city of Boise, appeals go straight to the city council in spite of the fact that they're not exactly engineers up mm-hmm. on that dais. But the head of the city's building division stood before council last Tuesday evening and painted a It was horrifying. And all I wish I could do is encourage people to find the audio file from last Tuesday's city council meeting and listen to this presentation. Mm-hmm. The word picture that he painted, I was horrified when I when I heard this. I All I could do was picture this building collapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, less than 24 hours, we actually had a, a very, very different scene, but a collapse. Yeah. And, and it was just, oh my gosh, you cannot not think about potential disaster when you look at the disasters that that do happen, and uh, so it's uh, it's an important process. I mean, for God's sakes, there are reasons that we inspect elevators. There are reasons mm-hmm. we inspect construction sites. There are reasons for all of this, and for and for those people who want less government, well, guess what? This is why government does exist. George, I'm wondering if there is a systemic story here about building inspection process in general because I'm, I'm still struggling to see mm-hmm. the link between like how as citizens should we think about like how robust these building inspections have been going because it's hard to look at the union block building not make a connection with what happened over at the hangar and kind of just ask like are the processes in place enough already or, or has it been going well like what, how do you think about stuff like that really good question because would the Union Block building have been condemned mm-hmm. if the city did not have authority over that historic uh, footprint? Um, and you know, what is the integrity of private structures, let alone mm-hmm. public ones? Yeah, we should we should think about these things more often. And inspections are important, but I am thankful that they condemned that building after hearing what I heard. Number one, and basically what I heard between the lines was they dodged a bullet. Yeah. They they touched a big bullet because when you hear about um, the integrity or the lack thereof in this building that's in the centerpiece of Boise's downtown core, and there were restaurants and there were businesses and people walking outside, et cetera. And I said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness.
I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about another story that really caught my attention from last week, from this past week. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still kind of angry about it, to be honest. Yeah. And it's the story uh, that has to do with Amtrak. So originally, mm. there was a push. We, we were supposed to have a push to explore the possibility of funding a possible route between uh, Salt Lake City and Boise. Uh, there was a lot of excitement over this project. And uh, I believe an application was supposed to have been submitted last March to the federal government yeah. to get uh, grant funding or funding just to research and to perhaps uh, like ideate this out. And it turns out, according to a uh, story first reported in Boise Dev, turns out the federal government didn't turn down uh, the grant application, which is what we thought happened earlier this year. But what actually happened was that somebody at the Idaho Transportation Department filed the grant application to the wrong place. Is that is that your understanding of the story? That's exactly right, uh, and we're talking about the uh, the State Department of uh, Idaho Department of Transportation because mm-hmm. all of these applications have to funnel through them. Somebody screwed up, and ITD said as much. But they're also saying, "Hey, look, it happens." Does it really? Does it really? I was going to ask, like, has have you ever heard of something <laughs> like this happening in your years covering uh, the city? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've covered stories where people have screwed up, et cetera, but uh, this was pretty high profile. This was a story. I got to tell you that in CityCast, I've covered this process and this application really well uh, as well, and and I covered it too. I was a little surprised that we didn't get it. I thought that, wow, this this arrangement that the city of Boise has with Salt Lake City, this might be the secret sauce. Mm -hmm. And then for them just like, nope, they didn't get it. It's like, Oh, I was like disappointed. And then I'm just thinking, golly, was it that bad? Because I, I, you know, for those of us who have paid attention to this effort, that that sounded like a pretty good idea. Yeah, it it sounded like a bullseye. It it made too much sense, honestly. (laughs) So now not only do you have people in the city of Boise upset at ITD, you've got the city of Salt Lake City that's upset at them as well. Absolutely. Um, Will somebody lose their job? We'll probably never know. Um, ITD is also saying, oh, I think, oh, no, I think the governor's office said, oh, we'll be able to apply again. And I'm thinking, really? I don't think windows for this happen too often, especially, uh, you know, administrations change. <laughs> and right now we we have an administration that is uh, public transportation friendly and likes rail and et cetera. And it's like, wow, I'd like, I thought like all the boxes were being checked here and then boom. Yeah, and you know, again, like, let's just sort of like say it out loud, like this is a presidential election year, right? The reason yes. why we had this opportunity was because of the Biden administration. These are the IRA, essentially, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is really an infrastructure funding act for the most part. Amtrak came to Boise twice. Absolutely. And toured, et cetera. <laughs> they actually went to the smaller towns along the southern tier of Idaho. I was thinking, golly, this this sounds like they're, they might actually have a shot at this. Yeah, and I just I want to impress like how tenuous this feels actually, right? Like mm. you know we don't obviously we don't know what's going to happen with the elections this year. Stuff like this takes a very long time. We're talking about huge sums of money operating over long time scales involving many many parties and actors. And I, I you know I do want to emotionally hold out and and have empathy and and yes you know people do make mistakes. But this is a really big one for a very it's important a thing really that can mean a lot of jobs really and a lot of good work for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And so you can only imagine, right, the scenario of what's happening. Uh, someone, a worker, a state employee is trying to dismiss this. Their supervisor is probably trying to give them some cover, that mm-hmm. person's manager, et cetera. But 
you know, golly, try to try to not think about that when this person's review comes up. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy. All right. So switching gears a little bit as <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as negative a feeling that that these that this that story leaves me with. Uh, we're going into another uh, fairly infuriating story, which is the ongoing and continued attack on libraries over at the Idaho Capitol. Um, There's some movement this week. Uh, And again, the context here is that we've seen repeated waves at this point, repeated efforts to to introduce legislation bills to that really strips away at, I guess, uh, the the autonomy, the the power, the resources, the, 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 the ability for libraries here to function, public libraries specifically function. George, what is the latest exactly in the story. I, I believe that was a new bill um, introduced yep. this week. Yep. Um, a new, li- we can, let's call it what it is. It is a, another library porn bill introduced uh, on Wednesday uh, in this particular iteration. And it's not too different. As a matter of fact, it's kind of a combination of the previous two bills that were waylaid. But in this iteration of books, literary, artistic, political, or scientific value will be considered, considered, right? But that's not to say that they will not be questioned. Um, And basically what this bill would require Mm -hmm. public libraries to do, it would be to establish review committees uh, to consider complaints. And it would have to be done this year. It would have to be done by the end of this year if this were to pass. The Idaho Library Association, again, is saying, you know, this isn't necessary, there's no problem uh, to begin with, and and they're doing nothing wrong. Uh, so says the ILA, and I had an opportunity to talk mm-hmm. to a couple of uh, officers with the I- ILA. Inc- That's the Idaho Libraries Association, by the way. Yeah. Yes, in- including their uh, legislative liaison who does all of their uh, testimony. But it is what it is, right? And the question I have is, how many complaints are we talking about here? And where are these complaints coming from? And it turns out that many of these complaints are are the same complaint times two or times three. So in this public hearing for this bill, I'd be really curious to hear, okay, what are we talking about? And it, because we keep hearing these same scenarios that, quite frankly, are talking points from outside of Idaho. Right. And these are just hypotheticals. The, the, yes. These are boogeyman scenarios. You know, the, the, even the sort of framing of the like the library porn <laughs> bill, sure. like, it's it's such a pregnant word, and it's so weaponizable. And it, could you just set the scene a little bit more of like, you know, if, yeah. if, if I was hearing about this situation for the first time, maybe I tuned out 30,000 foot, exactly what is happening? What exactly is the process at play here? Like, what what are Republicans trying to do, really? They're trying to demonize libraries. We went from teachers to healthcare workers to librarians. Mm-hmm. And uh, and whether, and, and I, I wouldn't even say Republicans. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say a very particular a wing of the an extreme wing of the Republicans, I would say. Yeah, n- yeah, maybe not even they might not even have anything to do with the Republican Party. That's that's, that's how extreme that's it is. That's you know, as point. a matter of fact, I think more than a few Republicans. I believe, by the way, that this is a bridge too far for many Republicans. Mm-hmm. And much like what we saw with Medicaid expansion a number of years ago. If we were, if you and I were to canvas this state and spend, say, 30 days just on the road, 
I bet we would find as many Republicans as Democrats saying, there's no problem here. Right. Thank God for public libraries. Um, I, I am who I am because of a public library. Um, so, uh, which is very interesting because it just so happens that this Saturday, this coming Saturday, the Idaho Library Association had scheduled, and they're still going to hold it, mm-hmm. a support Idaho library event at Boise Brewing in downtown Boise. Now, I would hope that that's standing room only. Um, but here's an opportunity to say, yeah, thank you, librarian, because it's going to be full with librarians there, right? And uh, But it's a, it's a ripe opportunity for people to, to weigh in on this. Because we're wondering, you know, where is this coming from? And by the way, the the Library Association recently did a survey mm-hmm. of their own uh, that was sad uh, because it did show that across the state, and I got this directly from one of their officers, library staff in all different types of libraries are feeling demoralized and to the point where they're really reconsidering their career choice. Mm-hmm. Um Nick, I can honestly say that I am not the person I am, let alone the what I do for a living without a library being a part of my formative years and to this day, uh, my my life. And uh, there's a lot at stake here. So I think, uh, yeah, it's another library porn bill, but this is much bigger than this bill. Mm-hmm. And I just want to sort of uh, reiterate and sort of bring back uh, what the sort of Boise State Public uh, Boise State University Public Policy Survey put out a couple of weeks ago yes. that most Idahoans trust libraries. They're perfectly fine with what's happening. They're perfectly fine with the administrators there to make the right judgment. And um, this seems just like a horrible uh, push of legislation that is honestly very anti-human. And we have library boards that are elected, right? Uh, that, you know, for oversight. It's like. What part of this are they not doing already Mm -hmm. as far as oversight? Thank goodness for librarians who recognize that not all families are the same. Not all seven-year-olds are the same. Um, But uh, but with discretion and, most importantly, expertise. These are people who do this for a living. It's not a hobby. This is what they do for a living. Absolutely. Uh, George, you've also been tracking a few other stories at the Capitol that have kind of flown under the radar. Could you walk me through just a couple of them really quickly? This one caught my eye, and I think we're going to hear about this in the coming weeks. There is a proposal to basically rewrite Idaho's human trafficking laws. And it is a thick bill because, you know, this is many parts of Idaho code. But a big part of it is uh, is a change in definition. And so they want to take the word prostitution out of human trafficking laws. They're striking that that phrase, prostitution or prostitute, so that we can avoid victims and we don't have to re-victimize people mm-hmm. when we are investigating. Uh, we want to make sure that when we're, we're talking about it, 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 that they're sensitive and not labeling people in such a way that even uh, harms them more uh, than already what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be keeping a real close eye on that. I think that's really interesting. And uh, they also want to include uh, new parts of the uh, human trafficking laws to include uh, more labor trafficking as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, earlier we were talking about uh, migration, and that's very much a part of this. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. And Nick, you may remember last election cycle, we in Boise 
had a couple, we had more than a few confused voters uh, who went to the polls and actually argued with poll workers saying, where's, where's the city council race? Hmm. Uh, well, a recent, because we changed city council races by district, part of that change also said, well, if you're running unopposed, you won't even be on a ballot. Right. Which never made sense to me, which never made sense to a lot of people. Yes. And, you know, people like to put their pencil to the paper or even write in an alternative or or not vote. But for God's sakes, it's their choice. So they're trying to rewind that part of of the change and say, yes, we're going to put these names back on ballot. Fantastic. And, and, And in the hearing earlier this week, we heard a number of scenarios of polling places all across Boise where people actually had arguments with their poll workers. And there were some people who thought that they had gone to the wrong precinct. Well, this is a problem. This is a big problem. You think, oh, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, administrative. No, that's a problem because if it's chilling the voting process, my gosh, that's the heart of democracy. Oh, boy. Well, that's actually something to look forward to, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll have to see that, actually, uh, to see that reversed. George, uh, thanks for like walking me through uh, this sort of uh, suite of pretty heavy stories this week. But, you know, we like to sort of end these things with on a kind of a lighter note so that we can bounce into the weekend. Pretty big weekend, pretty packed weekend. Uh, it's Lunar New Year, the first day of Lunar New Year for, for me, at least. And now I'll, I'll be celebrating with uh, by cooking a bunch of food. And it's also a Super Bowl. I'm, n- I'm not a big Super Bowl person, but I am a big Super Bowl snacking person. George, what would you be doing this weekend? <laughs> I will be watching the Super Bowl. I have actually uh, attended and covered uh, four Super Bowls. Mostly because oh. I was working, I was working in Buffalo at the time when the Buffalo Bills went to uh, a series of Super Bowls. And well, I don't think I ever knew this. Are you are you a football person? Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, who's um, your team? And when you, uh, well, the Bills, the Buffalo Bills. And so when ah. they lost in the playoffs with that, you know, <laughs> by missing the field goal by not tying, is like because that's exactly how they lost a Super Bowl too. Um, yeah, a little piece of me died again. Um, so <laughs> um, should I root for the Chiefs? Yeah, but they beat the Bills. But okay, I, I get that. But I I am a purist. I love a good game. There's nothing worse than just a blowout. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I love a really sassy commercial too. And, and sometimes one or two will emerge from the Super Bowl. So I'm kind of looking forward to those. Uh, I hate the fact that there's like three or four hours of a pregame show. I don't think it should be elevated to, you know, a, being a national holiday that some people think <laughs> it should be. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm all about the game. You bet. Oh, good. I mean, it's a good time. One of my favorite things about a Super Bowl actually is uh, sometimes if you dip out in the second or third quarter just to drive around, Boise is so empty. And, and it's, oh, yeah. What a lovely uh, thing to take in. <laughs> oh, yeah. that That is when to do the green belt. That is when to go oh, to the Oh, absolutely. Park. That's when to go to the movies, quite frankly. Well, that's a great, nice takeaway to end us on. Like, you know, if you're itching to go for a nice, lonely walk this Sunday, you're considered a second <laughs> or third quarter of the Super Bowl. George, <laughs> thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. And uh, it's always a pleasure to, to have you on. It was great, Nick. Thanks for letting me uh, go off leash for a few minutes. Absolutely. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. 
The show is produced by Evelyn Avitia, Frankie Barnhill, Grant Irving, Dylan Bergen, and me, Mick Kwa. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter with editing help from Andrea Salenzi and Brian Vance. And our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. Be sure to check out our website for a roundup of Boise's favorite pizza joints. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Have a great weekend.